Burns and Gambo. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wicopa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets four diamond splendor. Sometimes, many times, during the course of the season, reliving the game the day before hasn't been a whole lot of fun for the Cardinals. This one's going to be fun. A lot of fun highlights from this one. Cardinals Saints, Thursday night football, primetime, national televised audience. Got to see the Saints start the game with the ball, and they started big early. Rashid Shahid with the huge touchdown play. Dalton takes, play fake, sets up in the pocket, looks deep, airing it out, middle of the field, inside the 20, it's caught at the 10, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Rashid Shahid got behind the defense, and Andy Dalton threw a strike. And just like that, two minutes and seven seconds into the game, New Orleans is on the board first. Uh, the Cardinals have to play from behind. They don't know how to play from in They got to get behind in every single game. So <laughs> seven nothing on that play. Marco Wilson got beat on that one. He kind of dragged, the, you know, kind of grabbed him by the jersey, but he just powered his way into the end zone. Four plays, seventy five yards in about two minutes. Yeah, Shahid dragging Marco Wilson as he was, you know, holding on to that jersey for dear life was something that we probably won't forget anytime soon in that game. Saints are up seven to nothing, but the Cardinals would get on the board their very first possession of the game, thanks in part to this big thirty. One-yard play from Kyler to Rondell Moore. Second down and three. Shotgun snap. Straight drop back for Murray. Looking downfield. Now takes off. Running right. Fires near side. Caught by Moore at the 50. Runs left to the 40. And down to the 38-yard line. So that's a gain of 30 for Rondell Moore. Downfield. Kyler Murray keeping his eyes down the field to find him. Only catch of the game for Rondell Moore. I believe that was his only catch, right? I believe you are correct. Yeah. I I'm like, all right, more, more Rondale Moore. Here we go after that big 31-yard play, which set up a field goal. Yep, it did. It set up a 50-yard field goal from Rodrigo Blankenship. Nice to see 50-yard field goals being attempted and made by the Cardinals. 7-3, they trail at this point. The very next possession for the Saints. Once again, the Saints would go marching right on down the field, but this drive was stymied by Antonio Hamilton. Back to throw, Dalton. Looking over the middle, throws back of the end zone, and it's picked off. Antonio Hamilton in the back of the end zone with the interception. He takes a knee, and the Cardinals get a takeaway. It remains 7-3 Saints. Yeah, that was such a big play, as we talked about earlier. Three big interceptions, but that one was almost as important as the other two, which went for six. Pick six is the other way because they were driving. They moved all the way down the field, started at their 25-yard line. They got all the way down to the Cardinals' 10. They were about to get some points, and then Hamilton with the great interception. His first interception of any kind since his senior year at South Carolina State back in 2015 against Savannah State. A big moment for him given everything that he's gone through. And on the ensuing possession for the Cardinals, they would take the turnover and get points out of it, thanks in part to Eno Benjamin busting a big one. Takes the snap and hands off Benjamin straight ahead. Big hole, 40, 45, 50. Far side of the 40, 35, 30. Benjamin, 25. Inside the 20 and finally knocked out of bounds. Tyron Matthews saved the touchdown. That's a 43-yard run. The longest play from scrimmage for the Cardinals this season. 
the longest play from scrimmage. I was a big play, and they had a few big plays, you know, here and there. Kyler had a couple of nice runs, but I Kyler actually had a 17-yard run on the first play of that drive, and then Eno with a 45-yard run. So 62 yards on two running plays on the first two plays of that drive. Yeah, unfortunately for the Cardinals, their red zone woes would continue as they were not able to take advantage of a first and goal situation in that drive. They had to settle for a 28-yard field goal. Now it's a seven or it's a seven-six game at that point. Then the Saints would respond, and it was, oh yeah, that's what happened to Kevin White. Shotgun snap. Dalt with time fires left side, wide open at the forty, at the fifty, at the forty, at the thirty-five. As Kevin White stays in bounds at the thirty, at the twenty, at the ten, and finally tackled at the three-yard line. After reviewing the play, the rule in the field stands. Arizona's charge is second time out. Do you remember that he was here? Yes. Yes. He was here. Barely. Barely. Yeah, barely. The Cardinals gave him a look. Didn't never never played in a game for them, but they brought him in to sign him, brought him into camp. He was a, he was an Arizona Cardinal for a short amount of for time. A very brief period. That 64-yard catch and run in which he tiptoed the sideline would lead to this Taysom Hill bully ball touchdown. And it's a quick throw to the right flat to Hill. Caught at the five, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Well-designed, well-executed Taysom Hill from four yards out. And the Saints extend their lead to 13-6 to with 10-29 to go in the first half. Like a battering ram, he's oh. just so strong wrong when he gets that ball from from that type of from two three yards out he's tough to stop yep this is when things would start to happen very very fast in this game cardinals get the ball back they drive the length of the field they set themselves up with a first and goal situation from the two but they only got there in part because of this fourth down conversion from kyla murray snap to murray play fake murray booting to the left he's in trouble stretches the ball out past the five and i think he got the first down as he stepped out of bounds at the three-yard line. Let's see where they spot it. It is a first down. First and goal. They're going to mark Murray out at the two because he stuck the ball out before he went out of bounds. Yeah, this was the Kyler Cliff uh, get into a spat drive. I really liked this drive. There was a big pass play to Keontae Ingram for 24 yards. There was three catches by DeAndre Hopkins, which totaled 32 yards on this drive. You had some runs by Eno, uh, a pass to Zacher. This was a real quality drive, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. And, yes, this was the Kyler and Cliff spat drive. And a timeout called by the Cardinals because the play clock was winding down. That's their last timeout. Kyler Murray on camera. He is screaming at the sideline and I don't know who that was directed at. It looks like it's Cliff Kingsbury. In fact, Kyler is still yelling at Cliff. D-Hop and Sean Jefferson have to step in a little bit. That was on yeah, first and goal from the two. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and listen, it was first and goal from the two. They, you know, they take the timeout right there. They come back. They get the touchdown. But everybody's talking about that little spat between Kyler. It wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look. I, I don't I, I don't think it's as big a deal as a lot of people are making it out to be. But clearly, that got a lot of play because you've got a young quarterback screaming at his, at his coach. And you can actually understand what he's saying when you're reading his lips. Well, not only can you understand what he's saying, in playing that soundbite, again for the second time today, you can hear him. 
You can hear Kyler right. underneath Dave Pash's voice on the call. You can you can no lip reading required. You can hear some of that stuff. Way Hopefully not too much. Back. Hopefully not too much. So it's first and goal from the two after the timeout has to be burned. The Cardinals get the touchdown. Snap to Murray. Going to give to Ingram running straight ahead. Ingram diving for the goal line. And he's into the end zone for his first NFL touchdown. And the Cardinals within two. 228 to go in the first half. I thought the decision to go for two and tie the score at 14 was wrong being it so early in the game because if you don't get it and you're down 14 to 12, if they score, now you're down by two scores. Um, you're down by nine instead of being down you know, by uh, by eight. So I, I thought that they should have kicked the point there, but they decided to go for the two-point conversion, and they get it. And they get it. I, I agree with you. I thought it was too early to start playing the two-point conversion game, but they get it. Now it's tied 14-14. Still in the first half, things get nuts. Back-to-back drives from the Saints ended with back-to-back results. This pick six. Back to pass goes Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air, and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20, Marco Wilson to the 10, he high steps, and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown! Marco Wilson with a pick six, and the Cardinals take the lead, 20-14. to 14. Yeah, just a, a fun play, a fun play. I think it was off of Callaway's hands, and then he just grabs it. He goes to 38 yards uh, at that point, and you know, gives the Cardinals the 2014 lead, pending the extra point, Bernsey. Which failed. Which failed. Which failed. <laughs> but the Cardinals' next possession on defense when the Saints had the ball, this time it was Isaiah Simmons' turn to make the freak play. Dalton straight drop back, throws over the middle, and a one-handed interception by Isaiah Simmons in midfield. Runs it back to the left of the 40, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20. And Simmons in, back-to-back. Interception returns for touchdowns by the Cardinals at the end of the half. (laughs) Just just incredible. I mean, just an absolutely incredible play. That I don't know how many guys can make that type of play with that type of athleticism. I do want to credit Byron Murphy. For uh, there was he would have got tackled. Isaiah would have got tackled. Byron was able to get a piece of somebody just long enough for Isaiah to get some uh, some separation. So I really liked Byron Murphy on that play. It goes unnoticed, but if you go look at that again, he was able to get just enough of a block on a guy to free Isaiah up to go all the way. I'm glad you mentioned that because somebody else who deserved a little credit on that play too was Cameron Thomas. He was bringing some heat from the left side of the line, putting a little pressure on Andy Dalton on that Isaiah Simmons. Uh, pick six there, so that pressure might have forced him to throw the ball not exactly the way he wanted to. We go to halftime. Coming out of the halftime break, Will Lutz would hit a 25-yard field goal. Saints still down 28-17. Then the Cardinals went on a good old-fashioned 12-play 85-yard drive. A lot of DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of Eno Benjamin, and it culminated with Greg Dorch's five-yard touchdown catch. Snap to Murray. Quick throw left side. It's caught at the one and into the end zone. For the touchdown is Greg Dortch. They do punch it in. Kyler Murray with his first touchdown pass of the game. And it's 34-17 to with 29 seconds left in the third. Love the drive. Started at their 15-yard line. Big play to Zach Ertz. Another big play to Hopkins for 17 yards. Another another play to Hopkins for 9. To Hopkins for 17. Uh, Keontae with that 11-yard run with the cutback. They thought it was the touchdown. 
and it wasn't. And then the Cardinals go backwards because of a fumbled snap with Kyler. He fumbles the snap. They lose four yards. So instead of being at the one-yard line, they're at the five. But it didn't matter because he hits Dorch for the touchdown. Yep, so the Cardinals have the lead. Now the Saints would respond with a 17-yard touchdown pass to Juwan Johnson. There's 11-14 left in the game. They're down 11-35-24. Cardinals would go on another big drive, another drive featuring Eno Benjamin. Five-yard touchdown run to put this one away. Murray takes the shotgun snap, and they run it again. Benjamin off the right side. Hit, but dies for the end zone. Sticks the ball out. They're going to mark him down at the one. They just changed the call to a touchdown. Rick officials were having a conference. What an effort by Eno Benjamin with his back to the goal line, stretching out, reaching the ball out, and crossing the line. Interesting because they, I wasn't sure if he had it or not, but then when you you saw it uh, on the replay, yeah, he did. He, he got his hand out there and he got that ball on the goal line. Terrific play by, you know. Yeah, he uh, bludgeoned some guys on that run. He was bludgeoning guys all night long on some of his runs. Cardinals get the much needed victory, improve to three and four on the season, and end their eight, eight game home losing streak with their win over the New Orleans Saints. And that is your big red reacts here on this Friday. When we come back, D-Hop was back. Was he the solution to all of Kyler Murray's problems? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Snap to Kyler, back to pass, guns it toward the far sideline, and pulled in by Hopkins, who is open. He steps out at the 31, but it's a 17-yard gain. And a first down. The Cardinals are moving the ball again with 8.24 to go in the half, trailing 14-6. Welcome me back to Burns and Gambo here on this football Friday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Gambo's pointed it out a couple of times, and he's, he's right on the money. If you look at three of the drives that resulted in touchdowns for the Cardinals yesterday, DeAndre Hopkins was a big, big part of all of those drives coming up with big catches. He was targeted nearly three times as much as any other receiver or pass catcher on the Cardinals roster. And certainly, you know, 10 catches, 104 yards. He was back yesterday for the Cardinals. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Kyler was back or that the offense was all the way back. There were still some residual problems for the Cardinals offense that uh, the D-Hop couldn't solve all by himself and didn't solve all by himself yesterday. I thought he was good. I didn't think he was great. He ran the ball. You're talking about you Kyler now when you, when you say Kyler, right? Kyler. Okay. Kyler was Kyler was good. I mean, he had a good game. He didn't have a great game. He didn't throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns or, or anything like that. He ran the ball, so he was efficient running. I think that's about the, We like seeing that, right? I mean, we like seeing him run the football. He had seven rushes. I don't have the stat in front of me, but you know, they usually when he runs four times or less, they don't win. And when he runs four times or more, uh, you know, they do win. And it's just so I, I I do like that they they got that part of the game going. He obviously um, got Hopkins involved early and often and was great. I didn't think he did a good job of getting others involved. If you look at it, everybody else had about you know Hopkins had ten catches and everybody else had about ten catches. So. <laughs> 
You still, but you're still without James Conner. You didn't have Hollywood Brown, so I don't know that we could ask for much more, right? You didn't have your number one running back. You didn't have, you know, your number two wide receiver. You didn't have your your starting center. You didn't have your starting left guard. So I don't want to nit nitpick here. He struggled on those third downs. I think they were three and ten, but they were good in the red zone. So I think overall, if you said, "Hey, what do I give Kyler?" I, I give Kyler a B. I thought Kyler had a decent game. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers now, and seven rushes is, they're just average. Um, it, it's nine or more, they hardly ever lose when Kyler has nine or more rushes. Four or fewer, they hardly ever win. Anything in between, they're just kind of a 500-ish football team, which is where the, the, the seven kind of landed. No, I would agree with you with Kyler. Like, we're, we're it was, it was, Good. It was better. There were some drives that worked very, very well, and Kyler was good on those drives. He was six of six on one of them. He was, I think, seven of eight on another touchdown drive yesterday. But I still think, even with the return of D Hop, like if we're take the stats aside, that wow, Kyler Murray game. It's still been a long time since he's had a wow Kyler Murray game, right? And last night wasn't it. I mean, yeah. last night wasn't the kind of, oh, my God, Kyler was just a, he was amazing last night for the Cardinals. No, he was fine. He was good. Um, but but not that wow, look at what Kyler just did, which he frequently did the first month and a half, two months of the season last year before he got hurt. We're still waiting on that game for Kyler, aren't we? We are. We're waiting on that 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 game where just everybody's just raving about Kyler. Oh, Kyler was great. Kyler, Kyler was was great. Kyler was good. And if Kyler's good and they they play defense and make plays like that, and they're able to run the ball, which they were able to do. You know, see, it's nice to win a game where you don't need Kyler to do everything. And there were there were games this year where like, look, I mean, the Cardinals can win if Kyler plays out of his mind. You know, that's what they would need. They would need Kyler to play out of his mind to win that game. But it's nice to win a football game like this where Kyler just plays good. And he doesn't have to be great. Now, we want him to be great, you know, because that, that separates the, the top-tier quarterbacks from the second-tier quarterbacks. But it is nice to win a football game when he's just he's good. He got sacked a couple of times, and you know he did fumble that one snap, but he was able to hold on to it. Did a great job getting Hopkins involved. They 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 ran the ball well. but And, and red zone. I mean, we have, we have to talk about that, right? They got to the red zone four times. They scored three. I mean, that's we need that. I mean, they need they need that. They need to be able to score touchdowns and not kick field goals when they get in the red zone. Yeah, there's nothing more I hate than field goals between 20 and 28 yards, 29 yards, because that just means you failed in the red zone to score a touchdown, and those drive me nuts. Uh, Kyler Murray after the game on how he felt. That was good. That was better. Um, obviously, like I said, there's some things that I wish you know I could have done better. Uh, some throws that I missed, uh, could have you know could have pulled the trigger on, but uh, we'll be better. Thought they took some strides. I thought offensively, we, you know, we took some strides today. Um, again, there's some things that we could have done better, but uh, it's better, better, better than we've been for sure. Yeah, and for nitpicking, and I, I know you said we don't want to nitpick too much. They won, and we're happy they won. They needed to win. The, the the pressure was building, you know, immensely for the organization over the last you know few days going into the game. You know, there there was a moment where you know in the fourth quarter he's running around in the pocket, he's running out of the pocket, just throw the. 
ball away, and instead he tries to extend the play needlessly with his legs, and he gets tackled. He kind of kind of comes up a little gimpy in that moment. That's a that's a moment where you'd like to see Kyler just you know throw the ball away and live to play another day and not try to do too much with it. There was another one, and I, and I thought of you, and I, I can't remember exactly when it was in the game. You might with your notes, but there was a moment on a third and ten where Kyler took a sack. I think it was in the second half, and they were talking on the broadcast about oh, that's a coverage sack. That's a coverage sack. There was he was looking downfield. There was nobody open. There was a third and fourteen where he got sacked for an eight yard loss. That might have been the one. I, or it was after the false start by by Price, and, and, and then somebody, I think it was Bill Barnwell, retweeted. You know, you know those the, the graphic where you can see the play. The players are like dots, and you can see them moving on the field and who was covering who and where everybody was. Kyler had like three different guys open, and he just didn't see him. You know, another rush came on him quick. He didn't have a lot of time to see him, but that's I, I thought of you when that play happened because it was, no. oh, it's a, it's a coverage sack. It's a coverage sack. And then I saw how the wide dots. open everybody you was. You saw the dots. Yeah, I saw the dots. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I saw the dots. Yeah. I saw the, the yeah. moving dots, and I'm like, well, he was open, and he was open, and he was open. You know, so it's, it's little, and I he, I don't expect him to be perfect. I don't. I know it sounds like I do. I don't. I don't expect him to be perfect, but it's it's stuff like that 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 you know are, are holding him back and are, are part of the reason why we haven't seen that great Kyler Murray game. And we're working on a year now since we've seen that great Kyler Murray game. Yeah, it it, it, it is. I. I I understand the dot thing. Somebody was showing me the dot thing yesterday, and I had never seen the dot thing. Right? I'm, I, I get the game film. Like I, I, I know, but I, the, I, the game film is just like a computer representation of the of the film. I know, that you're watching, I know. If right? I could see it on the dots, it might even be better than the game film. But uh, I'm not. I'm not knocking the dots. Somebody showed me the dot thing on a play that was wide open that he missed. And I'm like, I, what is this? It was a Barnwell thing. I'm like, I've never seen these dots before. And you know me, I like to. I like to get you know get, get my hand on. On the game film and go through it and look at it and because then I could really tell that you know Kyler is missing stuff and there are guys that are open and you could do that with every team not every quarterback makes the right play all the time or they'd score a hundred points a game. Um, but when I saw that dot thing, I was like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting because I think in some ways it does, you know, back up what the game film will show. I, do, I think it does. It backs 100%. up what the game film will show. And that 100 percent does still misses a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. And, and, and look, you'd rather it's it's so much easier to talk about this stuff after a win, you know, and, and I know that goes without saying, but I think we have to say it anyway. They lose a game like yesterday and, and now we're losing our mind over dots. Right. Uh, they, they listen, lo- I'm all about connecting the dots. <laughs> Are you now? You got to connect the dots. Yeah. Well, it's it's the dots. The dots. Are, I, I'm always I'm all about getting some dots when I go to the movies. You know, get a box of dots and and some popcorn and you know. You got, you put a lot of butter on that popcorn. No. 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 Yeah. It's, That's the one thing that may kill me in life that I love that like that is like not good for you is I love butter. Really. I do. I'm I'm okay without a lot of butter. I could I, I got I love I butter. go I go to breakfast and I order like if I order French toast or pancakes I I say listen just bring me extra butter. Ooh, because yeah. they bring like one thing. I'm like I need more. I'm not I'm more. not a cardiologist, my friend, but no, I know it's my one deadly that's... sin. It's my one. It's my one sin. It's my one sin is that I I I got to glob on the butter when I have like pancakes <laughs> or French toast or. 
stuff like that. When we come back Pop on the Burns corn. and Gambo show, Gambo's going to go get some butter. And when we come back, Eno getting it done last night was huge. Does that mean there's going to be some kind of a change when it comes to the running back rotation for the Cardinals? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Takes the snap and hands off Benjamin straight ahead. Big hole, 40, 45, 50. Far side of the 40, 35, 30. Benjamin, 25. Inside the 20 and finally knocked out of bounds. Tyron Matthews saved the touchdown. That's a 43-yard run. The longest play from scrimmage for the Cardinals this season. Eno. He was great. He was great. He was great. I mean, you know, overall, I mean, that one big run added a lot to it, right? That was a big run by Eno. Uh, That 45-yard run, their longest play from scrimmage. Um... So that was big. But he, he got tough yards for them when, when they needed tough yards. I mean, there were a couple of negative plays because the Cardinals offense always seems to have some of those negative plays. I mean, he had a negative three, he had a negative one. So he, he had some of them. But when they, when they, when they needed him to get some yards, I mean, he had the, the two point conversion doesn't really factor into that, but he had that two point conversion run for, from a yard out. That was, that was a good play by him. Caught the ball out of the backfield a few times. Um, I think that more than anything, what comes out of this to me is I think when James Conner comes back, I think that Eno is is fully the number two running back for this team because of what he did. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I, I think the guy who was the hurt, for lack of a better word, who was hurt the most by Eno's performance last night, it wasn't James Conner. It was Daryl Williams. I mean, I, I think this solidifies Eno's spot as the number two guy. 12 carries, 92 yards. That's a 7.7 yards per carry average for Eno. He added four catches for 21 yards in that game as well. So all told, Eno Benjamin had a really good game. 16 touches, 113 yards. You mentioned it. He did some of the heavy lifting last night, some of the really hard punishing physical work. Um, and after the game, he was asked by Paul Calvisi how he felt about his performance. It felt great um, out there. Um, just I felt like the, com- the communication was just a little bit different with the offensive line um, of this game from uh, any previous game that I've been in. So um, I think that's something we just got to carry on and um, build on. I mean, you talk about that 45-yard run that we played the highlight of. That was not only the longest play of the season for the Cardinals. That was not only the longest run of Eno's career. On that one run, he had more rushing yards on that play than he had in a single game in his entire NFL career. I mean, like, just like as soon as he made that play, it's like, okay, that's it. That's his yeah. career high right there on that one run with what he was able to do. It was great. Now, should we be having a conversation about running back one and who the starter is for the Cardinals after what we saw last night? No. No, I think James Conner is the guy. <laughs> I think James Conner is a premier back. Um, I think that. I think the conversation is between Darrell Williams and Eno, and I think Darrell Williams is is the odd guy out in there. I think Eno should get those 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 reps. Um, I love that run on third and eight for fifteen yards. When it was the third and eight at the twenty yard line, and he got that fifteen yard gain, and he scored the touchdown to make it forty two twenty four. That was all Eno. Yeah. But no, do I think that he should replace James Conner? No, James Conner is a is a veteran. He is a leader. He is a tough son of a gun, and uh, he's, he brings a lot of intangibles. But I, but the other thing is, I think he's better. I think James Conner is better. I mean, nothing against Eno, but if I had a third and two right now, I do feel more confident running or throwing to James Conner than I do Eno Benjamin. Now that may change. 
But right now, I, I can't take this one game with Eno and say, oh, Eno's got to be the guy because of this, this one really good game by him. That's not enough for me. Uh, somebody asked Cliff about it after the game last night. Here's what he said. James is our starting running back. Yeah, he's a special special talent. He can do a bunch for us, but uh, I've been really proud of Eno. And, um, you know, he was getting touches uh, when James was healthy, and he'll continue to get touches. But to, to watch his development, like I said, along for the last three years and, and um, how he just keeps getting better and, and keeps answering the, the bell when his number's called, it's, it's been, been great to see. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you, and I don't disagree with Cliff. I, I think James Conner still is, should be, needs to be the number one running back option on this team, and Eno is a clear number two. I, I, I will tell you, watching Eno and Keontae Ingram, who had his fair share of negative plays last night, too, but on a couple of plays, showed some nice burst, I thought. Showed a little bit of giddy-up, a little bit of escapability in last night's game. I, I was watching that game, and, and you're probably going to roll your eyes when I say this, but that's part of the reason why I hesitate to pay running backs, honestly, when I watch a game last night, because because I, I feel like you can find similar production to what you get from a James Conner type. I'm not saying James Conner specific, just a James Conner type. I feel like you can get similar production for that guy at a much, much, much lesser cost than what you're going to pay for a premier running back in today's NFL. And so when I when I joke about not wanting to pay running backs, that's part of the reason why. You know, Chase Edmonds, when he was here, he was a great Cardinal. And you know why he was a great Cardinal? He was productive and he was cheap. He did not cost you a lot of money. And the moment it came for him to cost you a lot of money, it was time to move on and find somebody else who didn't cost you a lot of money. And that's why I oftentimes fly the flag of not paying running backs because I, I do feel like their production is very replaceable and very easy to find as long as you know where to look. Yeah, and I don't know if Miami's having buyer remorse, but Chase has not been great in nope. Miami. Nope. I mean, he's not been good at all for the Miami Dolphins. Do you know, it's funny you mention that. It's been a disappointment. Every time on a Monday, I'll go through and look at the other games and see what happens. I always look to see what Chase Edmonds does. Yeah, always. I, and I it's like never Chase. anything. I like him. I, I yeah. root for Chase Edmonds, but he, it's, he's not performing well in Miami so far. I just looked it up. He's got 89 yards rushing in six games on 31 carries. He's averaging 2.9 yards per carry with two touchdowns. Yeah. He's got 10 receptions for 96 yards. So, and one touchdown. So in six games, he's got three touchdowns, but he's only got 89 yards rushing on 31 carries. So he's not really uh, the first game. He first game against New England he had twelve carries. After that, five, six, five, one, two. He's kind of been phased out of the offense. To be honest with you, yeah. Now, and again with James Conner, it's not just about the production. I get it. Steve Kime has said it many times. Cliff Kingsbury has said it many times. We've talked about it many times. There is an intangible that he brings. There is an attitude that he brings. There is a leadership and a and a, just a, a moxie that he brings to the room that I, I'm not going to sit here and say isn't valuable to the bottom line of what. The the Cardinals are trying to accomplish. It's just that for me, running backs are, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can get one in the fifth round like Keontae Ingram. You can get one in the yeah. seventh round like Eno Benjamin, and you can just use them until you have to pay them. And then when you have to pay them, you, and it's cruel, but I think that's how that position works in today's NFL. That's just me. I, I know I'm, I might look at it a little differently than other people do. Yeah, I think that there are some that are special. There, there, I do think that there are some that you, not every, you can't put them all in one box and say they're all the same. There are some running backs that are really special players and can really be difference makers. It's, but to your point, there's a lot lot more of the guys that can they're good and they can help you 
you know, there's plenty of guys in that category that you don't have to spend that money on. So it's almost like, you know, hey, there's some really good centers in the NBA, but do you really want to pay a center $30 million? You know, because right. you could get centers that can help you for for. Seven or eight, nine, ten million dollars. Yep. You don't have to pay a center thirty million dollars. Yeah. There aren't that many. There aren't that many that are worth thirty million. But there's plenty that are worth seven or eight million. So if you want to put the running backs into the center category, I mean, I think it's fair. Just real quick, the other part about last night's running game, I think we have to talk about is the offensive line because they had to undergo some massive changes well, they did last good. night. Yeah, uh, they did. Well. They do a good job. They did. Yes, they did. I mean, Cody Ford came in, played a little bit. Billy Price, I thought, was solid. Like I, I didn't go through all the grades on those guys, but they ran the ball between, you know, between Keontae and Eno, what, they have about 140 yards rushing between the two of them? Yeah, they had almost, let me look and yeah, they see. They ran the ball well. 137 yards. They ran 4.7 yards per carry, which will take every single day that ends in. Why? Obviously, I mean, Cody Ford played more than a little in that game. Cody Ford ended up playing quite, Max Garcia left that game very early. I'm scrolling down to the snap counts right now because I took note of, Cody Ford was out there for 53 snaps. He played 80% of the game last night. And he did it on a night where, I mean, he just got activated. He was just able to play. And I thought he played very, very well in that moment. Uh, Billy Price came in. He played 100% of the snaps, obviously, at center with Rodney Hudson out. I, I agree with you. I thought the offensive line played well. When Pro Football Focus wrote about this game this morning, they specifically commented about their pass protection and how well they did in that regard. But according to their grades, According to their metrics, Kelvin Beecham had a real good game. DJ Humphreys had a really good game. Will Hernandez had a really good game. But the number one player rated for the Cardinals last night, Eno Benjamin, he got a big old fat score from Pro Football Focus. He earned it. He played really well last night. Yeah, he did. And I think that, and I think I like that Cliff squashed out really quickly. James Conner's our guy. James Conner's our guy, but that doesn't mean that Eno can't continue to develop and grow into 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 a role as a solid backup. Yep. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcasts. It's like any of your favorite podcasts you love listening to. You subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you're not going to miss our show, the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So, into the bye week we go for the Cardinals. What's waiting for them on the other side in terms of schedule and in terms of reinforcements? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You lose and you're 2-5. and five. And you're what the New Orleans Saints are right now. Done. All sorts of, yeah, done. You're done. Done. Like all sorts of stories in New Orleans today about, you talk about adding injury to insult. Or insult to injury. Sorry, I pulled a gambo. <laughs> you pu- I pulled, you a gambo. pulled a gambo. I got, I got you in my head. I got, wow. I got you and Mark Asher in my head now. Injury to wow. insult, insult to injury. Thanks, thanks, Gambo. I appreciate That's it. That's fantastic. Jello Cup! <laughs> I appreciate you short-circuiting my board right now. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Look at you messing up phrases. <laughs> uh, it's so bad at New Orleans that not only are they at 2-5, and five, but they're lamenting the fact right now they have the fourth pick in the NFL draft, and it doesn't even belong oh, to them. It goes to the Eagles. Goes to the Eagles from a trade that was made last year in the draft. So it's like, and that be that would be us 
if the Cardinals had lost this game, right? We'd be talking about the Cardinals have the fifth pick in the draft, the fourth pick in the draft right now. That's it. It's done. But at three and four, you stabilize things enough in a division where you are by no means out of your half game out of first. San Francisco's got Kansas City this weekend. Seattle's got the Chargers this weekend. I mean, the, the, the Rams are off. They might be in first place on Monday by default because they don't play. They have the bye week this week. So now you look to see how the Cardinals are set up. And now not everything was perfect last night. No one's suggesting for a second it is. But at three and four, you're still relevant. At three and four, you're still in it. At three and four, you can still kind of look ahead a little bit to see what's coming up next. And and there's two ways of looking at it again, but we can start whichever way you want. Do you want to start with the reinforcements that are coming, or do you want to start by looking at the schedule and what's left for the Cardinals over the next let's, month, month and a half? Let's look at the schedule. Okay. Let's look at the schedule. All right. Your schedule. After this mini bye week. It's hard. It's, it's tough. a hard schedule. It's tough. I'm going to I'm gonna just let's just take the five games before the bye because they've got the bye the first week of December. So let's just take a look at the first the next five games. They're at Minnesota in 10 days. And I think Minnesota is coming off a bye. I don't think Minnesota has a game this week. You are correct. They do so not play. You get the mini buy, they get a buy. So when you when you play them, they're they're coming off of the buy. Okay, and they're of course five and one. They're the only right. they're the only team not in the NFC East that is above five hundred in the NFC. Uh, the the West five hundred, the South five hundred, the East. You got a bunch of ballers. The North, the, the Vikings are right. Their offense is great. Their defense is. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense. But that's a tough place to go play. All right, so that's the that's what you have the first week. Second week, you're home against Seattle, and it's payback time against those Seahawks, man. I'd say after what happened a couple of weeks ago, at least it better be. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no way they should have lost that game. If they would have won that game, they'd be in a lot better situation at 4-3 and three than 3-4. Three and four. But you get them at home. And Hopkins is back, so it should change a whole lot of things about how they play and how their offense plays. So you feel good. Um, look, I think that they can win the Minnesota game. I'm not, uh, and I think that they will win the Seattle game. The next three games are where I think the season will come, and you'll, you will, will be determined by those next three. I think that's a really good observation because I, I think this will decide exactly what we're talking about. They're at the Rams on November 13th. They're home. Well, I say home. They're in Mexico City, but it's a home game. They're home against the 49ers from Mexico City on Monday Night Football. Then they're home against the Los Angeles Chargers. So, again, your next five games at Minnesota, home against Seattle, at the Rams, in Mexico City against the Niners, and at State Farm Stadium against the Chargers. And you're right. Those last three games, I think, will dictate everything about whether this team is playing relevant football in December or not. Yeah, listen, you're not going 0 and 5 and you're not going 5 and 0 in those games, okay? But, you know, what the difference is, can you go 1 and 4? Yeah, could you go 2 and 3? Yeah, could you go 3 and 2? Yeah, 4 and 1 might even be hard considering you got to play the Chargers, the 49ers, the Rams like you mentioned on the road for Minnesota. Uh, but the difference like, you know, 3 and 2 would be great. 2 and 3 would 2 and 3 would set you up 
to where you would have to have a really strong finish in those final five games. Like you'd probably have to go four and one in those final five games to get to the playoffs. Now those are winnable games. You know, you, you know, you're home against New England. You're on the road against Denver. Uh, you're home against the Bucks, who aren't playing well. You're on the road against Atlanta, and then you get San Fran on the road too. But I do think that that five game stretch coming up after this mini buy, Minnesota, Seattle, the Rams, the 49ers, the Chargers, two and three or three and two is probably what it's going to be, and there's yeah. a big difference between that because you know early early on there's not a big difference, but in the middle of the season there is a big difference because you're running out of time. You know, it's a really good observation, I, I think, because I think two and three, and and you're right, you're talking about going four and one over the last five just to get to nine wins. Where if you can somehow go three and two over the next five, now you're six and six after twelve, and that gives you some flexibility with those last five games. And so the question is, are there th- are there three wins in those five games at Minnesota home against Seattle at the Rams Mexico City against the Niners home against the Chargers can you squeeze three wins out of those five games if you can you go into your bye you're six and six you might need to only go three and two in your last five games to get a playoff spot it's a whole heck of a lot better than having to go four and one in your last five playoff or in your last five games to get a playoff spot so that to me is the question are there three wins in those five games and if so where are they that that's what you're trying to figure out the, the one thing you can't do anymore is you can't lose to the teams that you're going to be expected to beat Seattle Denver the Falcons like you need to make sure you win the games that people look at and say okay I think the Cardinals should win this game they should win those games you know the other games are games that you know you're going to have to play well to beat San Francisco the two times you play them you're going to have to play well to beat the Rams say what you want about the Rams you're still going to have to play well to beat them Uh, the Chargers that's like you're going to have to play well the Patriots always well coached like you're going to have to play well to beat them so but you're not going to win all those games you're certainly not going to lose all those games because the Cardinals are probably you know what we talked about they're probably you know most likely an eight or a nine win football team on the low end they might get seven if things don't go their way but you know they're certainly not a four and 13 team then there are the guys they might get back from the injured list here's cliff kingsbury with a matt prater update hoping that over the next three or four days um he'll feel a lot better going into next week but we'll be smart with what we do um and, and obviously limit some of those kicks at times if we can but there's more there's robbie anderson now getting him a little more indoctrinated into the offense after the trade. There's Daryl Williams, even though it looks like he's been replaced by Eno Benjamin as the number two running back. Um, there's there's guys who you might be able to get back on this team that can give you, coming out of the mini-buy, a, a more fully formed football team. And that should really help this team. Yeah, I think that's the key. That, that's the key. We've seen what they could do when Hopkins comes back. Now you get James Conner back, you get Prater back, you get you know you get some of these key reinforcements back that you just mentioned, and all of a sudden now you're going to be without some guys. You're, you know you're not going to have Hollywood Brown for a while, you're not going to have Justin Pugh for a while, but still a lot of those those linemen are going to be a that's going to make a a big difference in whether this team can win those games or lose those games. So I think that'll be good. It's nice to get the mini by now. It's nice to for them to to have. A few extra days coming off of a win, a few 
few extra days, get some guys healthy, give the guys who've been playing, because there are guys that are playing that have been banged up that could use those extra three days to just heal up. So I think that they'll come back relatively healthy against the Vikings. But again, the Vikings off the bye as well will come back relatively healthy. When we come back, so many top stories to talk about. We finally get to talk about the Suns' home opener. It's all coming up in the 4 o'clock reset next here on the Burns and Gambo Show.